0: Greetings, programs, and welcome to the latest episode of the Awesome Friday Movie Podcast, where we speak about two movies each week. My name is Matthew, and with me, as always, is Simon. Say hello, Simon.
1: Hello, good afternoon. I hope everyone is well listening to us today. And you are coming to, well, at least half of this podcast is coming from my new location, live from uh, Kingsway and
0: um, East Van.
1: it yeah, hasn't quite got the same ring as New York City, but um, I am out of downtown East Side, and I am slightly south of downtown East Side. but I have my own like little room now, my own little safe, warm room, so I'm very happy about that. So yeah. hi. How are hi. You? What's I'm, your adjective?
0: <laughs> it's, I'm fine. We're all fine. It's all fine here. You know, I was saying before we started recording, I'm having some trouble mustering up enthusiasm for stuff today. But uh, otherwise, we're fine. We're fine. Is that because we
1: have to talk about Red Notice?
0: (laughs) I mean, it's not not. (laughs) It's funny. So we're going to talk about two films this week. We're going to talk about the new Apple TV Plus release, Finch, with Tom Hanks, which is quite good. And we're going to talk about the new Netflix release, Red Notice, which is aggressively mediocre. And we're not going to talk about Eternals as planned because we had a a minor COVID-related I had to self-isolate for three days scare.
1: Yeah. How do you feel? Are you okay?
0: I'm fine. I'm fine. It's really annoying because I was talking to my boss about this and that, like on the one hand I got sent home from work cause I had a, some minor symptoms. And on the one hand it was super annoying cause I had a ton of stuff to do that day. Uh, but on the other hand, it's actually really nice that we're prioritizing, you know, self-care and normalizing staying home when you're sick and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the downside was that I had to go home and stay home until I didn't have any symptoms anymore. And that was the day we were supposed to see Eternals. So, uh, uh, so we didn't do that. Uh, so we'll, we'll cover Eternals at some point. I'm sure it's, it's Marvel. I'm sure it's fine.
1: Yeah, we could, you know, what, I'm fairly confident we could do an entire podcast on the turtles without actually having seen Eternals
0: maybe i'm just
1: I, I can guarantee what i'm going to say about it so that's fine
0: yeah uh, interestingly i have a couple of interesting thoughts about eternals not having seen it one is that unlike say the disney plus tv shows from this year or even just the other marvel movies from this year the discourse has been kind of quiet about eternals mm-hmm. um i think it from what i understand it does some things that marvel movies haven't done before and people are not necessarily responding My main piece of feedback for the discourse about Eternals is that, so right after the first press screenings, someone came out and basically said a bunch of stuff about stuff that happens in the post credit scenes. And I'm not going to spoil them here, so what I have to say is, I guess, mildly hypocritical but the whole internet's been up in arms about like spoilers for Eternals you know cuz this guy came out and said here's a description of the post credit scenes like a week and a half two weeks before the movie actually came out and i have two thoughts about this and they're conflicting thoughts and one is that it's absolutely a dick move for anyone in the press to spoil a film especially when you get to see it 2 weeks before normal people right i think everyone can agree to that
1: yeah
0: on the other hand I don't think that talking about the commercials for the next movie that come at the end of the movie is necessarily spoiling the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's so the it's post-credit crazy. scenes. It's set up. It's it's literally thirty-second tidbits to set you up to go to the next. Is not the movie, right? Like it's.
1: But, but those are so deliciously satisfying, though. Like everyone loves those, and to tell it's like coming out and if you've never had a Kinder Surprise before. And uh, someone comes out and goes, Oh, you know the Kinder Surprise? There's a toy inside. That takes away some of the joy of Kinder Surprise. Americans, you don't know what Kinder Surprise are, because they're banning your country for being a health hazard. So enjoy the enjoy your guns, but no kind surprises. <laughs> but the uh, I mean I, I mean I, don't get me wrong. I think it's I, a dick move. I, I,
0: I get it because and this is the very reason why I'm not even talking about it now, even though the movie's out. And I kind of hate that the movie is as of the time we recorded this, it's technically been out for two days. And all anyone's talking about on TikTok and Instagram and whatever is Eternal. Like I, I still have all the Eternal, Eternals words muted on Twitter because I just don't want to deal with it. But <laughs> one other thing I do find interesting though is that everyone's talking about the post-credit scene and nobody's talking about the movie. And if the post-credit scenes are more interesting than the movie, that <laughs> might be not. that might be a problem.
1: Might be a you sign know? of something. <laughs>
0: Anyway, like I mean, again, I think it's a dick move, but on the other hand, it is. They are just they're commercials for the next movies, right? They're not like it's it's not the movie. So I don't I don't know. I it's again, my feelings on this are conflicting and mixed. So mm-hmm. it's uh, if we're at a point where you can't you can't talk about a commercial, then I think we've we've passed a critical point in the discourse. <laughs>
1: uh, I I I mean, I'm on the other side of that because. I think it's not anyone's right to tell anyone else any single thing that happens in that movie. That's why we're so upfront about spoilers, because, and and how you define a spoiler is any information from that movie. Yes, it's a commercial for the next part of the movie, but it's also some a lot uh, an element that many many people like to be surprised at. Like many people stay and go, gasp! Oh, look, it's stunt casting as this person. And there's a little like burst of serotonin, like oh, I don't look who it is. You do the whole Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV meme. Mm-hmm. Look, it's him. And no one has the right to take that away. It doesn't matter how big or small that piece of information is, or how important or irrelevant it is. Nobody has the right to come out and go, hey, guess what, guys? Uh, look at the. This is what exactly what happens in that thing that you look forward to. No one has the right to do that.
0: Yeah, and I guess it also comes down to the fact that, for better or for worse, the Marvel movies are just a TV show, right? Like it's, you know, every they're all just one ep one episode in the ongoing Marvel franchise, They and are. And, and, and like honestly, any any tidbit is going to be a spoiler, really.
1: There's with with Marvel, in my feeling, with Marvel movies at the moment, and I would happy to be proof wrong, but. The formula is so stark, <laughs> unintended. The formula yeah. is so stark now that the, the postcode is the only thing that you don't know what's going to happen these days. Like That's the only bit of surprise that happens in Marvel movies. Like the, Exactly what happened in um, Shang-Chi, which I really, really liked. And Shang-Chi mm-hmm. is already going to be on Disney Plus soon, like really soon. And I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to seeing it again. But the only the only surprising part of that movie was the post credit scene, mm-hmm. and and it was only it wasn't even done to tease anything. It was just funny. So well, and
0: also know. like, and you know, again, this is me splitting splitting hairs and having mixed, conflicted feelings. But the post credit scene in Shang Chi was relevant to Shang Chi, whereas, <laughs> from what I understand yeah. of the post credit yeah. scenes in Eternals is that they literally are just... I mean, yeah, there's characters yeah. in them from the movie, but they're relevant to future movies, not to what yeah. happened in the movie you just saw.
1: That's a really good point, actually. Many Marvel post-credit things are, have nothing to do with what you've just seen. And that's fine that they have that, that function. Yeah. But Shang-Chi's was good because of its relevance, definitely.
0: I guess, like, on the one hand, yeah, spoilers. But on the other hand, I grew up in an era where you'd watch a TV show and then the last 30 seconds of the TV show would be like, next time, on. <laughs> and it would be the kind of stuff that's in the post credit scenes now, right? Like, uh, yes.
1: And exactly. I'm not
0: technically old enough to remember this firsthand, because it happened in 1982 or whatever, but like, Spock's death in The Wrath of Khan was in the newspaper three weeks before the movie came out. Like, Spoilers <laughs> are not a new thing. And as much as... I think we're, as a society, maybe we're a little bit overly sensitive to them now in a way that i feel so i have such mixed feelings about film discourse in general but i feel like we focus on the wrong things a lot of the time and i think all of what i'm thinking about and again i'm very mixed on all of this is just an extension of we're so especially with marvel stuff and star wars stuff we're so focused on the minutia that we miss the story a lot of the time you know like It's anyway. I, ha- I have thoughts. I have so many thoughts about all of this. I think
1: um, for me, I'm definitely on the oversensitive side of spoilers because I get such pleasure from being surprised, and it it doesn't happen that often. But as I'm getting older, and I, I've watched so many things now. It takes like very strong creativity to really um, draw me in. Like I I like a lot of stuff, but if it's not. Like we're going to talk about this later in red notice. If there isn't creativity to it, then I'm just it just leaves me completely cold. And a really good example of that is Bad Boys three. And I haven't seen Bad Boys one or two. I've seen part of Bad Boys two, I think, and didn't think anything of it at all. Bad Boys three is shot with this amazing dynamic, like directing style with color, um, with like the camera doing flips sometimes, so the angles are all reversed. And I love watching that movie because it is so creative. And mm-hmm. those guys are now directing something that you're going to tell me that is going to be really, really cool.
0: I'm sure they, they are. I don't remember what it is. Oh,
1: Tomb Raider. They're, they're directing the new Tomb Raider, which I'm really excited about. I think I've got that right. But anyway, um, the, the the every time – this is why I don't read any reviews or I don't do anything about anything that I'm into anymore – because uh, every single thing
0: that... Sorry, Adil, uh, Adil and Bilal are directing Batgirl, followed by uh, Beverly Hills Cop 4. Oh, I
1: didn't know there was a 4. And, um, and they're also
0: directing, directing two episodes of the upcoming Ms. Marvel TV show.
1: And if you've seen Bad Boy 3, you know that Ms. Marvel and Batgirl especially are going to be a fantastic fit for their... For that kind of style, like color and humor and action, Um, so I'm really looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I on a on a related note, I really wish that you had been able to watch The Harder They Fall instead of Red Notice. But uh, what are you? Are you Uh, playing with something? What's that noise in the background?
1: Is that me? Yeah, that's you. I can hear that. Yeah. Look, I am I am a perpetual fiddler, and because I've just moved house, I have a tape measure in my pocket at all times. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I will i will put that down now <laughs>
0: yeah uh, we fall... we are not going to talk about it because okay. i Next without time, without hyperbole the harder they fall so i keep pretty close track of how i rate films i know i don't put ratings on the on awesome friday but when i log films in in my sort of like personal diary and on letterboxd i do give them a star rating out of five and the Heart of They Fall is only the 6th movie of this entire year I've given 5 out of 5 to. So um yeah do you like
1: Westerns as a genre.
0: I do. I do. I think they're actually a really good genre for film, but um again without going into any detail, it's brutal. It's a throwback to like the classic style of western, none of this revisionist. not that revisionist westerns are bad, but like the characters are all super cool. It's very colorful. The action is brutal. There's a really great fight at the end. Mm. And the soundtrack, as the children say these days, completely slaps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? Can you say slaps legally now? I don't know. Uh, no,
0: I, think- I, I, I I aged out of that term uh, this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: come on. You still make TikToks. You're still cool with the kids. I
0: haven't made a TikTok in months. Um but, but yeah, so we I don't know when we're going to talk about it, but um, you should definitely watch The Harder They Fall. I really, really loved it.
1: Okay, let's do it next so, week then, with Eternals. Uh,
0: yeah, assuming we see Eternals. <laughs>
1: that, is, that is true, yeah. yeah. Okay, so... Uh, but we are
0: going to talk about... So we're going to talk about two films now. We're going to talk about Apple TV's new release finch with tom cruise first i think because simon has not finished watching it
1: Uh, simon has not started watching it
0: Ah, so what i said is true i'm glad we're in agreement (laughs) (laughs) and after that we'll move into a probably a pretty spoiler heavy discussion of uh red notice which is the most expensive film netflix has ever made is it really it is apparently yeah But let's talk about Finch first. So for those of you who are unaware, Apple TV Plus is definitely a thing. And their track record is, as with every streaming service, mixed. Um, They've made some good stuff and some bad stuff. But Finch uh, is one of the good things. So let me take you through a brief synopsis of the plot. Uh, Tom Hanks is alone. He lives in a post-apocalyptic world where the world's ozone has been fried by a solar flare and he lives alone with his dog and he's old and he's starting to die basically. And he's built a robot who is played by, I believe in motion capture, but certainly in voice by Caleb Landry Jones. And he builds this robot specifically so that someone will be there to take care of the dog after he dies. At the beginning of the movie, they're, uh, after the robot is built, but before his programming is complete, a series of storms are rolling towards St. Louis, where he lives, and they're going to basically form a superstorm over the city that will last so long he won't be able to forage for food. So they decide to load up in a 1980s Winnebago, uh, or RV of some kind, and head for the coast. They can't go east because it's too ruin they can't go south because it's too hot they can't go north for um, reasons that are implied to be it's too irradiated but never exactly confirmed so they head west towards san francisco and the rest of the movie is tom hanks and his dog and his robot friend driving across country and it is lovely from start to finish I'm really upset you didn't watch this because I really wanted to talk about it in more detail, yeah. actually. Uh,
1: I mean, talk about it. That's fine. You can spoil the hell out of it. It's okay. The I I mean, the from your synopsis, as soon as you started saying, the way you're describing it giving given me some pretty strong castaway vibes. Basically, Tom Tom Hanks being by himself in a bad situation. Uh,
0: I mean, a little bit. Um, I don't... Let's talk without spoilers because this is the first movie on the podcast uh so i'll avoid spoilers as much as humanly possible which should be entirely um but it's more of like a a boy and his dog it's two it's two yeah it's sort of two things one it's a a boy and his dog because he's basically teaching the robot who eventually names himself jeff (laughs) uh (laughs) Uh, to take care of the dog. And it's also the robot. So when they leave, the robot is like, they make a point of saying that um, of all the information he's trying to download into the robot's sort of brain, uh, it's only about 75% complete. So there's about 25% that he has to like just verbally teach the robot about how to exist in the world. Um, And the whole thing is really just like father and son on a road trip. It's pretty great. Because... Caleb Landry Jones performance as Jeff is so pitch pitch perfect in terms of like childlike wonder and naivete and just this like, and just the way he speaks. And I'm sure it's through some post-processing of some kind. Cause it's, there's lots of like glitches in the way he speaks, but it's, he's such a, such a delightful, innocent childlike presence, even though he's a seven foot tall robot. <laughs>
1: This the this kind of uh, humanoid robot learns through interaction is a sub subgenre in itself. Like, short, what makes this different from like Short Circuit or Chappie or something like that?
0: Uh, it's it's in it's terms good. of in terms of versus Chappie, it's that it's good, uh, <laughs> and in terms of versus Short Circuit, it's not super dated and full of bad racial stereotypes. <laughs>
1: Okay.
0: Um. And there's also no question from the beginning that he's like a sentient, self-aware being. Like he's programmed to mm-hmm. be that way because he's the whole point of um, uh, Finch building the robot, Finch being the title character, Tom Hanks, um, is specifically because he knows he's not going to be around forever and he needs someone to take care of the dog because he loves the dog. So he's built to be self-sufficient and self-sustaining from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, as a total side note, there's another smaller robot named Dewey, who's like a little, also like a dog, who you will fall in love with immediately when you watch the mm. film.
1: It sounds like there's a lot of opportunities for me to be sad about things dying.
0: Uh, there's definitely moments where you will probably cry. I think if this oh, movie uh... had made me cry, I it didn't, it, I didn't cry. Although lots mm-hmm. of people who I've been re- I've been reading some reactions and lots of people did. I think if it had, it would have been a five star movie for me. But is, it, game,
1: is that is that the extra star if it, if you shed tears?
0: It's not. Not. I just you know, <laughs> movies that give me that strong of emotional reaction will that will get a five star rating pretty much mm-hmm. unerringly.
1: Um. what is is there a, a bigger human cast, or is this Tom Hanks um carrying the whole thing on his weighty shoulders?
0: Oh, it's it's Hanks and Jones. But yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. You don't really. Yeah. You do see... There's one sequence in which there are other humans present, but you never actually see them. They're in cars in the background. Like, you never... And there's one flashback where you do actually see some people. Um, At one point, the story flashes back to, like, as the world is falling apart, and you do see... You learn why Tom Hanks is so attached to the dog, other than the obvious in that it's a dog. (laughs) (laughs) um, But... Yeah, it's it's pretty much entirely just Hanks and and Caleb Landry Jones bouncing off one another, and it's just a lot of really lovely human moments. And again, you know, there's been a lot of good movie robots this year, um, but this is one of the better ones, I would argue. There's a great scene where they're on this road trip, and the robot's like, "Would you like me to drive?" and he's like. You've never driven before. He goes, "Yeah, I am a good driver." <laughs> 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 and then there's a whole sequence later in the movie where he like teaches the robot to drive, like he was a twelve year old learning to drive. It's just great. The whole thing is great.
1: Do you, Do you know if Jones was on set with him um, in mocap, or is this Tom Hanks uh, acting to a green screen? Or to a uh, you know,
0: honestly, I haven't looked into it, but I can only assume he was there because of the way it plays out, because of their interactions. Mm-hmm. um he must have been there or at least somebody was there because there's no I, I don't I can't imagine this being against I can't imagine the acting being against nothing
1: well it's Tom hanks come on he could act against anything at all including nothing.
0: i mean that's tr- that's true yeah motion capture and voice yeah he's definitely there uh um,
1: the um I'm just looking at a picture, actually, uh, of what this robot looked like. And he looks just wonderfully goofy. He looks like a, just with big bug eyes and big, like, oversized hands.
0: Yeah, I uh, don't want to spoil it because it's such a lovely little moment, but there's a, his um, his head looks small and his limbs look sort of thin, but there's this big, chunky bit in his chest that serves a purpose that you find out what it is later in the film that is just wonderful right like it doesn't look like anything until you realize what it is and then you're like oh that's great
1: (laughs) does the dog die i need to know if the dog dies before i watch this movie
0: the dog does not die
1: all right safe so that means my wife can also watch this movie that's good
0: yeah but it will definitely you know it's definitely an emotional film and it'll definitely give you some feelings and I don't know where it's going to land in terms of my top ten, but it is mm-hmm. it's it's a great film. It's one of the better films I've seen this year. That's saying a lot. It's been a pretty good year for movies.
1: In terms of the director, I'm just seeing who actually directed this, Miguel Saporcinik. Um Does it? I, things that are made specifically for TV. So this was made. This was I assume this was an Apple production that was made for Apple TV.
0: No, it wasn't so actually. It, it was, oh. um, it was produced by Universal Pictures, and it was originally set to be released in theaters, and then due to the oh. pandemic, it got sold to Apple TV.
1: Oh, okay. That nullifies that, my next question. And I, I mean, we could talk about this with Red Notice, though, as well, that I sometimes wonder when something is made specifically for TV, if you can tell from the way it's directed or shot that it's not designed for a big screen.
0: Do you see what I mean? I do. I So Miguel Sapochnik has only directed two films, including this one. One was a movie called Repo Men with Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker, which is a bad movie that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's been very prolific in TV and uh, actually won, I think, an Emmy Award for Best Director for... He directed some of your favorite episodes. For those of you who watched it, he directed basically all of your favorite action episodes of Game of Thrones. Right. Uh, so he, he directed the, um... he directed Hard Home and he directed the Battle of the Bastards. Like in terms of like the the memorable action episodes, he's the guy. <laughs> he's he's the guy right. from Game of Thrones. Um, he also directed um, uh, altered uh, an episode or two of Altered Carbon. Um, mm-hmm and uh banshee and falling skies and uh fringe yeah. like the dude's been working a long time yeah, in TV. Yeah. Yeah. um so, so it,
1: it, is this well directed then
0: would you say oh yeah it's wonderfully directed um okay. he what i'm trying to get to with all this especially the game of thrones stuff is that he does seem to have a good eye for combining realistic elements like tom hanks with sort of more fantastic elements like a seven foot tall talking robot with an orange face (laughs) so um yeah it's good it's good i think you should watch it it's one of the best things apple tv plus has released and tom hanks now has two movies on the platform and they are both good so he's batting a thousand
1: Uh, the other one is Tom Hanks' boat commander, submarine commander, something like that. Yeah, What's it's called
0: it's called Greyhound, and he's a World War Two battleship captain, and it's also like it's definitely dad action because it's a World War II battleship <laughs> movie. But it's a great movie.
1: What are you saying? <laughs> I mean, I love, I... <laughs> I, loved, I loved
0: it. I'm just saying it's exactly the kind of movie that my dad will also love. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it's pretty safe dad bet, isn't it? Battleships. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, just you describing it and it's been um, spoiler free. Thank you very much. And you've described it in enough detail for me to really, really want to watch this movie because it sounds like exactly the kind of thing. What I'm quite looking forward to actually after this week is actually having way more time to watch stuff. Now I've actually moved and uh, the last hellish month is uh, over. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Apart from unpacking boxes and working. I've got more time to watch stuff, so I'm looking forward to that.
0: Well, good. Hi, Freud. That's a dog.
1: <laughs> that was my dog. Hello. My dog is very happily asleep on the couch next to me. Oh, I'm doing something else now. Yeah. Good. Um, is it? Does Finch open itself up to a sequel, or is this a one and done?
0: Uh, I mean, you of... can make a sequel out of anything, but it's a self-contained story. It doesn't right. oh, it, it has no need for a sequel. Yeah. Right. It's uh it's self contained and wonderful.
1: Well, marvelous. And like that's honestly,
0: good. the other thing too is that everyone makes a everyone makes a big deal out of um you know, guys like Andy Circus who put in these amazing mo-capped performances, but this is one of the times where I thought, yeah, Caleb Landry Jones, let's he's let's do this thing.
1: What have we what... What have we
0: seen him in before? Uh, lots of stuff. He was the skeezy brother in um, Us. And he was the... Um, he was Banshee in X-Men First Class. He's in a Canadian horror film called... Um, oh, fuck. What was it called? That Brandon Cronin. He's been in a ton of stuff. Anyway, you've definitely seen him before. He's a tall, skinny ginger guy. Okay. Okay.
1: I think I know who you mean. Was he in possession?
0: Uh, I don't that body know. horror
1: where the guy. No, I know the I know the movie you mean, the body horror one. Yeah, I know that guy. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Good. I really really want to watch it now. Sounds
0: good. Yeah, and he's been in, well, like ton of stuff. I think he was in three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Um. Uh. The Dead Don't Die last year. Um yeah, I mean he's been in a ton of stuff. Like a ton of stuff. Cool. Solid, solid reputation as a young character actor. Mm-hmm. And I think he got his real big break on Friday Night Lights, the TV show, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh. So yeah, he's good shit.
1: Good, good, good. Well, that's a clear recommended for Finch. I can't wait to watch that. Indeed, In fact, I wish I had watched that. <laughs> yeah. So, should we move on to our second movie?
0: So, yeah, let's talk about Red Notice. Uh, oh. Simon, why don't you take us through yes. a brief but spoiler-free synopsis of the aggressive mediocrity that is Red
1: Notice? <laughs> um, someone at Netflix said, "Okay, um, what's the what's the most algorithmic?" movie we can make um with we want ryan reynolds and we want him to be ryan reynolds and we want the rock and basically we want him to be the rock and we're going to get gal because she's beautiful and um then they press some buttons on a computer and it spat out a script and this script is about a heist and it begins with the backstory some exposition which is always a good way to begin a movie we're about a number of gilded eggs, apparently these were a big deal. There were a couple of eggs hunted by various people, and these eggs are basically the, if you put them together, they're worth a lot of money. <laughs> That's basically the premise. And so a team of were also these uh, a thief, Ryan Reynolds, a cheeky thief, Ryan Reynolds, um, gruff FBI agent, The Rock, and sexy femme fatale thief, Galgado. you see they've really pushed the casting here um, all, they all go for well Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot are going for the, the eggs because they want money and The Rock's job is to try and stop them stealing because he works for the FBI and then in amongst all that is like this kick-ass British police woman who kicks ass but also looks amazing in a dress when she goes to a ball and um the story takes you on a wild ride through uh, a, a variety of cg backgrounds uh, these cg backgrounds you can find in screensavers such as egypt or <laughs> Town. and and then you just plonk, plonk a box in front of the background and dress them up in fancy clothes and we're in egypt and um through this exhilarating story with multiple twists you won't see coming or care, <laughs> um, you, then the story of the three eggs slowly unfolds um, until the sequel is set up at the end. And basically, if you've ever seen Ryan Reynolds be the quick-talking, cheeky one, and The Rock be the big, gruff one who throws people through walls, and Gal Gadot being beautiful and cheeky, you literally could sit down and close your eyes for an hour and a half and just imagine them interacting in a, in a variety of backgrounds and clothes <laughs> and you would have this movie. And, and then think of like the worst fucking twists you can think of and put those at the end because people like those. I'm sorry, maybe I didn't like this movie quite as much as you, Matt, but that's what happens.
0: I mean, I definitely think I liked it more than you, and that my overall feeling was that it was fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's not. Nothing you're saying is incorrect, though. Like <laughs> uh, the, you're right. It's all CG. I read afterward that all the, um, the because of the the original plan was actually to shoot this in all the places that they go, but then yeah. the pandemic happened, and so they shot it all in Atlanta. <laughs> so, <laughs> Or right. LA, I can't remember, it's all in, you know, it's all, everywhere is a set, though. I me um, tell
1: you, you can tell.
0: <laughs> if, uh, I find, you know, it's if you like Ryan Reynolds, and I do, very generally speaking, this is definitely him being Ryan Reynolds, you can tell that there's a few lines that he either wrote or improv as well, because mm-hmm. the, he goes, there's a couple of moments where he basically goes full Deadpool, and, you know, mm-hmm. they go into... A warehouse at one point and he tells them to look for the box marked MacGuffin <laughs> there's definitely a part where he's there's definitely a part where he's outlining a heist and he goes we have to get past yes. these featured extras yes you know? <laughs> he does that a lot that's the
1: only part of this movie that I really liked like truly liked is that he keeps making theater and film making references like that just smashes through that fourth wall and it happens a lot yeah and there's another one that I can't remember but no absolutely I enjoyed those moments
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's each act of the film is a different kind of movie, too. Like, the first act is, you know, the FBI guy after the sly thief, you know, The Rock after Brian Reynolds. And then the second act, they're forced to, The Rock is framed and they're forced to team up and they have a prison break and then a heist. And then the third act is basically an Indiana Jones movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) or a fanfic thereof. Yes, Um, he even
1: whistles the theme tune as he goes into his mysterious Nazi cave.
0: Uh yeah, so and like it sounds like we're already spoiling some stuff, but like if we're not <laughs> Simon's Simon's not wrong in that like you can you can you could you definitely there's nothing in this movie that's gonna happen that you're like, oh that was a surprise. <laughs> it's, uh, um it's very by the numbers, very safe. And I think it's really interesting that I think it's fine. Like it's aggressively fine. Um I think it's kind of disappointing that Ross and Michael... Michael Thurber, the director, started out making movies that I really like. Like, his first feature film was Dodgeball, a true underdog story, which is a film that I legitimately love.
1: That's a great film.
0: But the further into his career he gets, the more safe... Like, like his last movie, which was also with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, was Skyscraper, which is another film that I thought was aggressively okay. And his... Film before that was Central Intelligence with The Rock and Kevin Hart, which again, totally fine. It's fine, and I, I just think, think they keep he keeps making fine movies that do a little bit of business, and they keep may letting him make bigger ones. And this one apparently cost a hundred and sixty million dollars or something like that. I wonder how and much. No, that no, was paycheck, uh, at least forty million of it was paycheck because both the both Dwayne Johnson and Gal Gadot got paid. 20 million dollars each wow and i think it was the first time they for them they both cracked 20 million and it made it made her like the second or third highest paid actress this year and honestly uh good for her because she she's pretty much the only part of this where that i thought i thought her performance was great i thought she was really fun i thought she was clearly having a really good time in a way where it wasn't just the same thing she's done over and over again unlike yeah. the rock and ryan reynolds she was yeah, at least trying a little harder yeah. i also really like and i'm gonna apologize in advance to this gentleman because i can never pronounce his name um but chris let me just bring it up so i can try to pronounce it here um, Which character? uh the character's name is soto voce He's an oh. arms dealer, and his oh. the actor's name is Chris Diamantopoulos. Di, what the Diamantopolo. hell was he doing this? with his
1: voice, though?
0: Oh, he was whispering because in Italian "sotto voce" literally means whisper; it means yeah, under voice. But,
1: but everything was like this. Ugh. Yeah, I'm driving
0: crazy. I mean, he was playing a sw- a swarthy <laughs> Spaniard who had to whisper, and uh, I guess in Spanish "sotto voce" means whisper as well; it means under voice. But, um, I, I, was, I thought he was kind of, he's usually so great and I just thought he was fine. He wasn't given enough room to like peacock around the set and chew the scenery to make his performance amazing, but he's never not good. You know, like he's, he's always the most interesting guy on set. I don't know. Maybe you probably haven't watched Silicon Valley, so you've ne- never seen him play the, the billionaire character in that show. <laughs> um.
1: Is that
0: him? Yeah, he's I've the three com- that, uh, he's the three commas guy. He's got three commas. <laughs> he's also the guy that you know that who coined that show's greatest, most quotable line, which is this guy fucks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was him. Yeah, uh, I, I, there's, I, there's I, a great there's a great scene in that in one episode of that whole show where like the market fluctuates and he, for for a brief moment he's no longer a billionaire and he laments that he lost a comma. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's 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 fun. He's fine. Um, I don't know this this movie's fine. It's fine. It's you know
1: it's stupid. It's... And, and let it be known, like I'm a big fan of stupid action movies. Like, I will re Triple X 3 The Return of Xander Cage. I will whoa, watch whoa, that
0: Hang movie. on. on. X 3 is not yes. a stupid movie. <laughs>
1: Matthew, at some point they escape on motorbikes and the motorbikes go on the sea and they're fine because they have little jet skis that pop out. Yeah, that's it's actually
0: st- really smart. That's just really <laughs> smart. <laughs>
1: Three is a stupid, stupid movie and it completely owns it it embraces it and it is brilliantly directed and it is hilariously funny and really diverse all of the things that Red Notice is not like Red Notice uh, is true. clunky so clunky Gal Gadot, I disagree with you I love how she was trying something else I thought she looked really uncomfortable she was trying to uh, I don't think the direction of her line reads was good, I think she was uh, just like it didn't feel natural, anything she was doing. And um, the the policewoman was fine, but the, I don't know, like there was a lot of eye rolling in this film. I didn't ever feel like I was going along with the story. Like with the when he got to the end and I was like, oh, revelation, and then another revelation. Like, oh, Jesus, just stop. <laughs>
0: I mean before we I don't know if we're even going to bother talking in spoilers no, but um but there's definitely there is a twist in the third act that I I remember thinking about 30 seconds into the second act so yeah. oh this is going to be the twist oh, yeah. the, like you know like there's no there's no surprises in this movie yeah. uh and while some of it is pretty fun I actually the prison break was pretty fun um but like it's not Good. <laughs> <You know>?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say. See, I wouldn't say I had fun in this movie at any point. Maybe, yeah. maybe Gal Gadot's red dress. Maybe that was fun because she, I mean, she's just been cast as the evil witch in the the live action remake of Snow White. Or she's in talks for the witch. And the main problem with that is that this assumes there's somebody more beautiful than Gal Gadot. And I think that's a major problem with that casting. She looks amazing in this movie. She's so beautiful. But it, it occurred to me there's there's a fight scene where they fight. The three of them fight to try and grab one of these eggs. And there's, like, spears and weapons around. And once again, it's it's edited to shit. All the angles are too close. And I suddenly realised when, when they were... The, the action was intercut with really obvious, like reaction shots, hero reaction shots. And I suddenly realized they didn't do any of this. They shot like four different reaction shots and they just got the stunt people. And that's why they cut so close and so quickly. So you can't ever tell these aren't the real actors. Mm -hmm. And so there's no effort to actually show you the actors doing the things they're meant to be doing. And it's just very, the whole thing is just so basic and by the book. There's no creativity to it at all. Yeah, there's a a,
0: there's a chase scene in the beginning uh, with Ryan Reynolds running through a museum that Mm -hmm. ends up and actually pretty inventive, honestly. Sequence on some scaffolding, but you can definitely Mm -hmm. tell when it is him and when it's not. Mm -hmm. And that sequence ends with you know the Rock pushing him out of a third floor window, and you can uh, there's like there's definitely a moment where you can tell it's switched to CGI doubles, and then switches back. Like it's pretty pretty. Pretty egregious for a movie that cost $160 million.
1: And the CG is just dog shit as well. Like any kind of CG. And there's so much CG in this. It's so obvious. It's not just the backgrounds. It's just everything. It's sometimes, as you say, it's like their faces as well. And it's like Jeff Bridges at the beginning of Tron Legacy Bad. It's just like your phone can do better. like <laughs> uh, Faces, like famous faces than this. It's just... Where's the money? The money went into nabbing the three stars and asking them to do that thing for an hour and a half while they put them in different CG backgrounds and concoct this ridiculous. It's not even like a the MacGuffins is like, well, who cares? Like it's just these three things that cost a lot of money. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, What's interesting to
0: me is that, and so just to be clear, I did. I mean, I basically always enjoy Ryan Reynolds at this point. There's like a base level of, I think he's good. Mm-hmm. But it is amazing that how much better he is when you wrap his shtick in something a little fresh, like Free Guy, versus something like this that is mm. so we've seen it before. You know that like when it it stands out, but not necessarily in in the same good way. You know what I mean? It's mm. sort of a really awkward sentence I've just put out there. But no, I know exactly what you
1: mean. Yeah. But
0: you know, again, when you when you give him something. Fresh and interesting to bounce off versus something you've definitely seen before, it okay. works a little better. Um, or again, in something like Free Guy, where those little fourth wall breaks or references to what everyone knows is happening uh, work a little better because it's worked into the plot and not just something he's obviously improved into place. Yeah. Right? He's yeah, basically yeah. always some level of Deadpool at this point, for better yeah. or for worse. And well, he just... always
1: has been. I mean, Deadpool fell into his lap perfectly, didn't it? If you go back to something like Blade Trinity I really like Blade Trinity I know it's got some lots of people don't like it but he his character in Blade Trinity because it's a little bit different it's a little bit darker he's still sarcastic but he's like knife edge sarcastic and it and it's character specific and it fits the plot and so it works a lot better than this just you could tell you could just tell when he was like okay Ryan, could you um could you improvise something funny over this bit, so we don't have to pay a scriptwriter, please. Like, okay, here it yeah.
0: is. I mean, I think I think most of Ryan Reynolds' worst, not necessarily performances, but certainly worst films are the ones where someone said, you have great hair and a square jaw, let's make you the leading straight man in a romantic comedy, as opposed yeah. to just letting him be himself, which is effectively, depend like, Deadpool... But scaled accordingly to the rating of the film, <laughs> right? Um, and I think he's far more successful when they let him just be be himself. Yeah. I've de- we've definitely seen that a lot now, but it works. It generally, it works. i to... to,
1: yeah. Sorry, I was just. Um, I've always wanted to watch that movie where he gets buried alive. He did a a, a really really low budget. Um, yeah, it's called Buried to go buried, because obviously he's not his sarcastic self in that. I'd really like to see how that works out.
0: Well, the interesting thing I would say is that, so everything I've said, I don't think this contradicts everything I've said, but the other instance in which I think Ron Reynolds can work really well is when he does have to actually act.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? As opposed to being some... And I think a really good example of this, there's a movie he did with Sandra Bullock called The Proposal, which I've seen a number of times because... It's not bad. My wife really likes it, so we've watched it a number of times. It's got a fun Betty White performance in it. Um, but when he's sort of forced into being that sort of very PG, very samey, leading man in a rom-com type thing, the same kind of bullshit that Matthew McConaughey got sucked into in like the okay. early Zeros, where you kind of have to always be the, the same and play as broadly as possible and the same is possible because that's all the role asks for. He doesn't really work. When you let him be his normal sarcastic Deadpool self, he works. And when mm-hmm. you force him to actually act, he also works. Mm-hmm. Um interestingly, I think that's also you could say the same thing about Matt McConaughey. Really. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's when you need him to actually act, I think he's great. When you let him be that sort of like swaggering Texan sort of slightly douchey but you love him because he's gorgeous anyway he works and when he's just another guy in a rom-com it doesn't really work you know mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's similarly like I think Blade Trinity's fine and on a related note there's a Matthew McConaughey film called Sahara that I really oh. enjoy that's a really bad I knew, movie
1: I knew you were going to bring out Sahara <laughs> but Sahara again, it's Red Notice that's a great double bill actually of Uh, Sahara's better than Red Notice and I don't like Sahara that much.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but at least it has has an interesting villain and a fun uh, two fun Mm -hmm. central performances in a way where Mm -hmm. I think this one really I mean, we haven't really talked, so we talked about Gal Gadot and we talked about Ryan Reynolds. Can we just for a moment talk about how The Rock, how Dwayne Johnson might be the least interesting action leading man currently working?
1: Yes, let's talk about that.
0: I don't think we need to. I think I just said everything we need to say. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I was right. thinking
1: during during this, I was like, there was a period, did I imagine it, where The Rock did like really interesting movies with really interesting directors. Like, oh, uh, you're going to know this because you just know stuff like this. But he, was, <laughs> he did a movie that was the second movie by a director who did something like Primer or something like The Fountain. And it was, he played the bodyguard of a guy and he, it's completely different character for him. Do do you have any idea what I'm talking about? So no, he fa- maybe fa- he he famously did this. He was act. in the
0: sequel he, to Get Shorty. I think is that what you're talking about? Where you plays no, like, no.
1: oh, what's that called?
0: Uh, be Cool, I think.
1: Oh, I'm probably I'm talking. I might be talking about Be Cool. Yeah. I
0: mean, I think The Rock is another one where, again, you force him into a situation where he's not just playing The Rock. and Like, I think he's really, really good in oh. Pain and Gain, for example, which is the most Michael Bay movie that ever Michael Bayed. But
1: What the fuck? Southland Tales.
0: Oh, yeah. He's pretty good in that.
1: By Richard Kelly. And uh, Richard Kelly directed Donnie Darko, maybe...
0: Uh, it's a good thing we have the
1: So yeah the director of Donnie Darko that's that's where I was going with uh, indie director who did this weird thing yeah so anyway so The Rock can do stuff I think he can do stuff it's just that he's found this niche now that people are going to pay him to be and he just does it like ruthlessly over and over and over
0: I mean I think he's really funny I think the reason so this is his third collaboration with Russell and Michael Thurber. Um and I think Central Intelligence might be the best of the three, just because I think he's actually a really funny guy when he wants to be. I think his comedic mm-hmm. delivery is pretty good, mm-hmm. even though that movie's not great. Um but like the only the only real difference between this and the skyscraper is that the character in skyscraper has a prosthetic leg. <laughs> um, but honestly, the movie would never like if you watch the movie and you miss the scene where that's revealed, you would never know it because he's often running, he never limps, and at one point well, he jumps from a crane to a skyscraper, a yeah. hundred stories in the, in the air. So, that's like in the
1: tra- that's in the trailer. He has a prosthetic leg, and he jumps off the crane. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. That um, I think it, it. What you're saying is is right. Actually, when he can be um, part of. A group When he's like doing his comedic version of himself, like in Jumanji. Jumanji is a great example because his character is meant to be this video game character, this stereotype.
0: Right, but someone, he's got a he's got a skinny teen stuck inside him, yeah. yeah.
1: And he plays that really, really well. And and there's occasions where he uh, he swaps in the second one where he swaps different people inside him, if you pardon the expression. And he does that really, really well. I think he's got good comedy chops, and he's of course great in Moana
0: yeah but, and um, like he again like um in pain and gain where he's playing an ex-convict who has traded in his addiction to cocaine for religion and also cocaine uh, <laughs> he's you know and and also one thing that he does really well in pain and gain is that his character is stupid like <laughs> you know uh-huh. when he i think when you take away when you get it, when you let him be the the strong hyper capable hyper-intelligent thing he's not actually that interesting but if you take away any one of those three he becomes a lot more interesting and pain and gain does it by making him stupid and um uh, moana does it by making him not that capable um Mm -hmm. you know there's always there's one thing you got to remove to make him interesting something to give him any amount of in personal conflict basically
1: i do love how um sporadically you'll bring things back to pain and gain. If you haven't listened to the podcast before, Matt does like to bring things back to pain again. This is one of this those is, movies this that's is, this on is the, the first, list.
0: This is the first time I think since we've relaunched that I've mentioned it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it's always there. Every time you mention it, I'm like, oh you really love pain again. Matt talks about pain again like he talks about his wife. Like, <laughs> he really he really, really loves this movie. Like he, it's, we, we've talked about Penny Gain a number of times and I still haven't seen it and one day I'm going to watch it and I'm going to text you hey this movie's really good and he's going to send me the thing that he always sends me which is somebody saying I told you so yeah, and you've that's even true. got that even found that version of like my, you've even got like versions of it now like Michael Caine like I don't want to tell you that I told you so but I, hi but I told you so So it's my wife coming home um so anyway i will watch pain and gain um but you're right about the rock there's i i would love to know more about what happened in fast and furious between him and vin because vin's like he he did it to bring out his acting more and i don't think the rock appreciated that and i'm pretty sure I, the rock's
0: like, reaction to that was oh yeah fuck you yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's not what he said but the interview I read after that came out that's what he said. Yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> so so yeah. But no you're right I might when I see the rock in something these days I'm like ah oh, I don't I'm not filled with joy like are you going to be the rock or are you just going to try and do something else but
0: What's interesting too is that I thought and like everything I've said didn't happen in Jungle Cruise but I kind of enjoyed him in Jungle Cruise so Ooh,
1: there's Jungle Cruise.
0: there's um there's there's definitely there's definitely a certain je ne sais quoi that is required to happen for him to be good and to be clear I don't think Jungle Cruise is one of his like better performances mm. but he is at least fun and he plays well with Emily Blunt yeah um,
1: Emily Blunt's the magic here probably isn't
0: it yeah something but uh He's just sort of again. It's he's sort of for a for a six foot five muscle bound Samoan. He's pretty milk toasted a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's 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 weird. It's very weird.
1: Yeah, and so. um, uh, hopes and Shaw, Actually, if we're talking about the Rock needs a good person to act against, and Emily Blunt brings out the good, and Jumanji cast brings out the good, Jason Statham was not a good mix for the Rock because. That that was just so. All of their banter was just so strained in that movie. Maybe they're too much.
0: Maybe they're too much the same. Because
1: well, Jason Statham is England's greatest actor. Remember, so that's true. I mean, that is true. Live up to that.
0: I mean, we could talk at length about Jason Statham, but I think maybe Jason Statham uh, is (laughs) exactly the same in that he's at his most interesting. Where you know he's incredibly fit. He has a very He's very attractive and he's very capable and he's very intelligent and you need to take away one of those things to make him interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, although he's all of those things in the Meg, That's which is a movie I unabashedly enjoy.
1: Absolutely, the Meg is fantastic and and spy as well. He's or he is.
0: Well, but in spy, he's playing completely against type, so yeah,
1: or just revealing a type that he's good or... at.
0: Well, so maybe anyway, it's
1: because he can do anything. He is very versatile. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> And crank. I'm gonna go watch Crank to see myself how versatile he is.
0: Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, I mean, okay. I mean, well. we could just talk about random actors forever, but uh, maybe I'll just go watch <laughs> Snatch again because he's really good in that.
1: <laughs> I didn't see the most recent film we did with Guy Ritchie. The Wrath of Man, did you see that? I
0: haven't watched it. It's on Netflix now, I think, at least in Canada. So um, I I haven't watched it yet, but it's there.
1: Do you you remember when the new Guy Ritchie movie was an event, like a Tarantino-level event? That was a long time ago.
0: (laughs) I'm going to answer your question by saying that, and maybe this is something we can go out on, but there aren't that many directors And or even big movie stars who, at in this, especially after the last two years, who can really generate an event anymore. And I think you know, even the Marvel films are a good example of that. In that, and to be fair, it's during a pandemic, but none of them have been an event this year in the same way they were three, four, five years ago. Uh, None of the DC movies, none of the big blockbusters, not even you know for, for better or for worse the last big event movie that i can remember might actually be the rise of skywalker
1: when did once upon a time in hollywood come out
0: yeah was but that even that think? even that was i mean it felt like an event to me a little bit but also that's cuz i'm most of my social feeds are keyed to like you know it's film twitter mm-hmm. right like it's a big mm-hmm. it's a big event among people who love movies Mm-hmm. But it's not like a very, very generally speaking, it's not really, wasn't really a big event, right? Like, mm-hmm. lots of people like Tarantino, so it was very well received and very popular, but it wasn't like, it di- It doesn't feel to me like it was a big summer movie event in the same way that, say, even like original Avengers or even Endgame yeah, yeah, was, yeah, right? It wasn't a thing yeah. that was a cultural touchstone that we all had to see. Mm-hmm and i i think we're sort of moving past the point where any individual performer outside of maybe like tom cruise are really going to be able to or maybe spielberg are really going to be able to generate that anymore yeah.
1: the landscape is okay. shifted what's so up yeah <laughs> I well so, bombshell. <laughs> yeah so uh
0: what do you just uh, what do you have coming up in the next week anything exciting anything you're looking forward to we're- Probably, Um, hopefully talk about Eternals next week, along with something else.
1: I know, yeah, hopefully Eternals and hopefully Finch and we'll find something else. But I'm actually, um, I'm watching Love, Death and Robots on Netflix, the second season of that at the moment, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic. I don't know if you saw the first season. I'm also playing a video game called Riders Republic which is totally red. Um, basically, it's Ubisoft dropping you on a mountain. And uh, at any point, you can switch between skis, snowboard, or bikes. And uh, it's basically everyone plays at the same time. And it's a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be doing some more of that and maybe some Animal Crossing. Who knows? How about you? What have you got on?
0: uh lots of stuff <laughs> um i'm still i'm currently covering the rain dance film festival out of london the united kingdom which is a little bit awkward because of the nine hour time difference or eight hour time difference right now um so you'll be see you see probably people if anyone's paying attention which i know they're not um there's been a number of posts on the blog at like one in the morning local time and that's because they're at seven in the morning or eight in the morning london right. time to coincide mm-hmm. with release days um and uh blood in the snow canadian genre film festival the online component's over but there's a in-person part in toronto coming up um and then lots of just lots of other stuff there's a net there's an apple tv plus show that i'm not allowed to talk about yet that i'm watching that i'm enjoying very much um cool. Yeah, I mean, oh. it's, we, there's a lot of good movies starting to happen, right? So next, whenever we have Eternals, there's also going to be... I hope you watch The Heart of They Fall so we can talk about it.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, we awesome.
0: also have... Uh, and the embargo is lifted on this. Uh, I haven't posted anything about it yet. But the new Rebecca Hall-directed movie, Passing, is going to be on Netflix soon. Which is also quite lovely. Um, uh, there's a lot of good stuff coming up. I don't know how much well, of it... I don't know how much of the in-theater stuff we're going to get to see. But uh, okay. there's a lot of good stuff coming up.
1: It's a good job you don't have a full-time job to squeeze in amongst all that watching as well
0: yeah not to mention a full-time class load at my night school stuff so Easy. yeah <laughs> i'll sleep when i'm dead <laughs> <laughs> Yeah okay all right well uh, on that bombshell thank you everyone for listening if you would like to give us your support we would love to have it uh we appreciate your listenership we do also have numerous ways to more directly contribute you can find all of them at awesomefriday.ca they are one-off models and subscription models you can pay us money if you so desire and lots of ads you can click on i know everyone hates ads and you probably have an ad blocker but if you don't Click on an ad. It doesn't cost you anything. Put your browser in incognito mode and click on an ad. That's all I'm saying. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We love you all, and we will see you in a week's time where we cover. <laughs> and
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, because we have a long-term wow. plan, because we are professional. Anyway, uh we love you all and have a good day.
1: Bye. Bye, love you, bye Bye.